This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to Radio Plasma. I'm Joachim Rashivega. And I'm so glad to welcome today Monty Valmonte. And we're going to talk about your march, an event that is really meaningful, important, and a tradition for, for our region, particularly because it's meaning when it's for a good cause. So I'm so happy to be able to talk a little bit about that march. Thank you for being here, Monty. Welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm a fan of yours, so I'm glad to be on your podcast. So, it's happening. It's coming up, and hopefully the weather is going to be not <laughs> as harsh as it is, particularly today, the day we are doing this recording, where we're having a, an Arctic yeah. wave heating up. So, But at the same time, it's a symbolic way to bring warm mm on some of the coldest and natural moments that we have living in, in an area like New England. Yeah. Last year, it was freezing rain for two straight days, and it really, uh, <laughs> bringing warmth by the means of trying to uh, provide food for people who need it, that strengthening us through the miserable weather conditions um, was was enough. But yeah, it the whole thing is is symbolic in many ways. We push these hot-rotted shopping carts that kids from Smith Vocational and Agricultural High School in Northampton made road-ready. And the idea is that the, it started out 10 years ago that um, they we would push an empty, I, it was just me, mm -hmm. uh, would push an empty shopping cart 26 miles to as a symbol of hunger, you know, that the shopping cart was empty. It's hard to push shopping carts, even if you're like in the supermarket parking lot. So we had them with pneumatic wheels and they turned them into these beautiful hot rod looking things with blue flames so that their automotive shop could get involved. But yeah, that became a symbol of hunger. And now we have a fleet of shopping carts. So that symbol, the weather, the weird costumes, all of it is, it adds to the ridiculous nature of it, but there is the greater goal of doing something good for our neighbors is, is what inspires me to keep doing it. I remember seeing during the past weekend Actually, uh, an image that you that you shared, the very first one, yeah. the, the image, simple, black and white, the shopping cart symbolizing that emptiness yeah. and that void that needs to be filled. Right. And it's, you know, it's a real issue in our area. And there are uh, conservative estimates would say one in eight people are food insecure in the four counties of Western Mass at some point in the course of a year over a quarter of a million people and it we live in the richest country in the history of the world and we have enough food and the fact that we haven't figured this problem out yet is troublesome to me and meanwhile we have a great resource in the food bank of western mass that covers the four counties and i call it mothership hunger it it's uh, where all of the emergency food pantries that serve our neighborhoods can go to to get the food they need to keep their shelves stocked. Particularly here in Holyoke, it's commendable to see their efforts yeah. to provide food for 
people in the community, regardless what is their socioeconomical situation, is food that is available, and whoever is there to to get it, they get it. Mm. And that's so beautiful to see how those brief moments, once a week, once every other week, and people gather. Yeah. And you can see those faces of relief, of hope, and resilience. Mm. And you can even get the chance to interact with people and, and understand that hunger is real. Hunger happens in many of the households in our communities. And it even strikes people with means. Yeah. But the situations that we are living in general with the whole socioeconomical system puts people, particularly people living check to check for whoever has that that advantage of having a steady income mm -hmm. and still they have they have struggles imagine for the ones who don't have that security of an income yeah i mean if, if i lost my job or were severely injured and couldn't work my family would very quickly need to be relying on assistance and i think so many people are in that position and while we're not in that position hopefully we have a generosity of spirit enough to encourage us to want to give but to also to recognize that i guess there but for the grace of god go i say the uh you know the more religious folks um it's you and me that are gonna go to lorraine soup kitchen and kate's kitchen when we need help and we the uh, the one of the major apart from just raising money for the food bank which is important I think the major thing that I want to accomplish with this March year in and year out is hopefully change someone's mind about what it means to need to rely on emergency food, that it's not lazy people that don't want to work and are just looking for free handouts. That's not it at all. It's people, we need to be there for our neighbors when they hit those snags in the road or our new neighbors who've just came, come here to this country and are trying to figure this place out. And our government doesn't make it very easy for them. And so the food bank and Kate's Kitchen and Lorraine's Kitchen and the Amherst Survival Center, they, they want to make it easy for them. And they want those people and everybody to know that their doors are open and, and are welcoming for them when they need that assistance. And most people don't want to be on assistance at all, and certainly not forever. And, you know, when you read the data about the type of people that are food insecure a quarter of them are children it's through no fault of their own it's not that children are lazy and should be out there getting jobs i mean it's their families are struggling and they you know if it weren't for the school systems and the free breakfasts and lunches and things you know i've talked to so many teachers who say they hate fridays when the child the kids leave and they hate monday mornings when the kids come back because they know so many of those kids are going to go home and may or may may skip one or more meals throughout the course of that time so we need to as a as a community gather together to make sure we're there for those people when they need that extra help so monty how did this started what was that event that made you feel compelled to take that shopping cart and work with it 26 miles yeah um it started i mean In my own mind, food insecurity is something I've always cared about. I've, I spent a good deal of time in Calcutta in India and saw, you know, extreme poverty. And it, it broke my heart in the best way and made me realize that we can be a better planet <laughs> to, to everyone. And uh, I've spent a lot of time working in, in uh, 
poorer communities and the joy that comes from those communities is inspirational in and of itself. However, I've always carried that with me. And with my job as a radio host, mostly I'm playing music and interviewing interesting people like you and others. And uh, we were doing a food drive around Thanksgiving, as a lot of radio stations do, like outside of Whole Foods, where we left a shopping cart and people would buy a can and put it in the shopping cart and and or you know donate a little bit of money. And it was an okay fundraiser. And it was it didn't really capture the imagination or the depths of the problem of hunger. And I was doing this other ridiculous publicity stunt fundraiser for a great cancer organization in Northampton called the Cancer Connection, where in the winter, I would camp out in the middle of downtown Northampton, and I wouldn't leave this downtown lawn in Northampton until we raised X amount of dollars. And people thought that was fun and funny, and it became really successful as a fundraiser. I think the food bank got a little jealous. And they said, could we think of something you know, similar, that's fun and funny and weird to talk about food insecurity and to raise a little more money and have a little more of a successful fundraiser. And somebody who was working at the food bank at the time said, what if you took a shopping cart like door to door in downtown Northampton and got donations from the different local business owners? I said, what if I got a shopping cart and pushed it from Northampton to Greenfield? And it was like a light bulb went off. Like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had, but I think it's going to work. And that first year, it was basically me and like somebody driving our radio station vehicle and one other person with a flashlight when the sun went down to make sure I didn't get hit by a car. And now it's grown to the point where over the course of the march, well, U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern goes the whole way with us. Other, pretty much every elected official through every town we go through gets involved. School groups get involved. Different individuals form their own teams and yeah, sometimes a dumb idea is all it takes. And the other thing that's changed over half, I think five years ago now, was I was interviewing an interesting person on the radio named B. Dewberry, who worked with the Mason Square Health Task Force, which existed at that time, talking about how Mason Square in Springfield was a food desert, a neighborhood that has more people in it than the entire city of Northampton, but zero supermarkets. And with a public transit system that, only allows you to take two bags, these people are in a desert. There's no way for them to get healthy, nutritious food if they don't have a car or if they don't have enough money. And the supermarkets were too afraid to put in a market in that neighborhood despite the fact that there are so many people, more people than in Northampton that has like five supermarkets. Mm -hmm. And it's racism. And it's fear, it's classism, and it's a, a lot of those things. And it then dawned on me five years into the march you know, my radio station's in Northampton, and it's easy to look north of the Tofu Curtain, as they call it, you know, the Holyoke Range, where, like, whatever happens in Holyoke and Springfield and Chicopee and all that, we can ignore that in the ivory tower of Northampton and Amherst and places such as that. I said, we need to go and start in Mason Square and walk through these neighborhoods and walk through Holyoke and learn about that and talk and have the people in those communities on the radio as we walk telling their stories to the people because our signal really hits Northampton North the Holyoke Range blocks it from Springfield that's just the science behind FM signal sadly um, but I, those stories can travel with us as we walk and, and penetrate up to the more northerly part of the valley and uh, that's become a really important part of this for me too what do you think Aside of the very purpose of this march, 
are some of the experiences that you have acquired through the years that have been fulfilling and serendipitous by doing this march and seeing the interaction with people? What I love to hear, well, first of all, the people that come on the march, I have headphones on and I'm broadcasting with my shopping cart the whole time. So I'm isolated from the kind of community that's forming behind me while everyone else is marching. They're getting to bend Congressman McGovern's ear. They're forming friendships as they're walking behind me. So hearing about that is remarkable. There's, um, I'm sure you know, oh, you must know him, uh, Neftali Duran. He's come on the march many times, and he forged a friendship with a woman named Kristen, and she had like a dedication ceremony for her baby and asked Neftali to come and be to cook for the celebration of the whole community. It was this, and it all kind of formed just walking along the march and, and around food, you know, interestingly enough. Then the other thing that's amazing for me too is to go to places like Lorraine's Soup Kitchen and Kate's and the Amherst Survival Center. And people that may have never gone to a food pantry getting an opportunity to see that and to, to interact with the people that are there and realizing hopefully that they're, they're no different than they are. And then the other thing that really warms my heart is when, um, when kids get involved. And I've, I know that there are school programs right now that are they de they're developing curriculum around food insecurity so that the kids can participate in the, this dumb march. <laughs> you know, like it's all the shtick of it is what got them involved. But they're really learning about this. They're in Conway, where I'm going right after this to speak to the kids. They do a solidarity march in the hill towns in Franklin County around their parking lot. Those, there's a, Franklin County is a county of great need when it comes to food insecurity. There is no doubt that there's a large percentage of kids in that school that are dealing with food insecurity. So if one little kid stops being bullied because another little kid realizes, like, you know, if their family's down on their luck, so what? My family could be down on, on our luck next week and see the, their common humanities together, and then take that as they grow up and change the way we view food insecurity as a nation by planting seeds in, in young minds, that's what really the goal is here. We could change this. We almost fixed food insecurity in the 1970s, and then the Reagan administration started using dog whistle rhetoric like welfare queens and things like that. And it really stopped the momentum where we were going in a good direction. And uh, I'd like, and it's great that we've got elected officials involved too, because they want to steer the momentum back. What are the expectations for this 2019 edition of your March in terms of maybe an amount that yeah. you expect to raise? And at the same time, uh, the possible interactions and events happening around <laughs> the march itself. Yeah. So the food bank, because of their relationships with supermarkets, with the federal government, the state government, with food distributors, and because they have a huge warehouse, they can buy food in bulk when it's slightly damaged or, or things that would otherwise go to waste. So when we were doing the food drive at Whole Foods and you'd go buy a can of beans for $3, the food bank could have bought that can of beans for 10 cents and bought, you know, 300 cans of beans for that amount. Like, I don't know if that math works out, but the math that does work out from the food bank's perspective is with $1, they can turn it into three meals. We, I couldn't do that with $1, um, but they can because of all these partnerships that they have. Last year, on the 9th March, we raised $294,000-plus over the two days. And it was, it's 
just shy of that 300,000 mark. And if we could raise $333,333.33 and turn each one of those dollars into three meals, we have a million meals. The food bank gave, uh, distributed a, um, over 900,000 meals in Franklin County last year. So essentially, in these two days, we could cover the cost of all of the, the meals that the food bank distributed in Franklin County for a year. And I just kind of came to that recognition of that number recently. And that, it's still a drop in the bucket, but it's a pretty big drop. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because at the same time, like I was mentioning before, it's not only about that moment of relief, it's hope. Yeah. And when you see this happening and you realize that it takes just that willingness and do a little part as a collective, mm -hmm. this much can be accomplished. Yeah. And by bringing this awareness through putting the fun in fundraiser, yeah, people remember this event and remember these activities. And like you said, these interactions cause an impact that could reflect on people to make changes in the in the way they consume things in the way that they dispose or utilize or not utilize food right or any other resources towards benefiting the ones who are in need mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me personally something that has is an offshoot of this is that um, after a few years of doing the march the food bank convened this task force to end hunger where they were bringing thought leaders from as many different aspects of the community as they could together to kind of map out Like, what do you see when it comes to hunger? What do you think the causes of hunger are? And all get together for a year and talk about this and see where we were all on the same page. That then transitioned to another thing that I'm involved with, with the food bank, which is the coalition to end hunger. And I'm on the arm of it that talks about ending the stigma. That's saying it's one in eight people. It's veterans. It's the elderly. It's the disabled. It's, it's people who uh, got injured. It's somebody who lost their job for a month or two. That's who's hungry, and it, it's largely invisible. It's easy to not be seen as somebody who might need that and n might need to rely on food, uh, emergency food. But we want to not necessarily give a face to it, but to destigmatize it. That's been hugely important to me. And as I mentioned, another like offshoot of the march that, that is meaningful to me is not only the, like, the kids at Conway Grammar School, but the head brewer at the Northampton Brewery thought it was such a weird idea that he was like, I'm going to run a marathon alongside the March for the Food Bank, the 26 miles from Northampton to Greenfield. So he has run it for four years, and he blows by us at some point on the March every year. But this year, he's running 50 miles back and forth on the bike trails near the Northampton Brewery and inviting other people to come and run with him. So it's bringing more people to the table, pun intended, for a food-related thing. And then turning it into a party at the brewery afterwards. And all that money goes to the food bank. So that's really what it's overwhelming and humbling and amazing that people have um, taken it as their own. That he calls it his name's Donald. He calls it Donald's Dash. So he's even going with the alliteration of Monty's March, which is really fun and funny to me. You're listening Radio Plasma. And we want to listen to your feedback. Let us know your thoughts, ideas, suggestions, comments, requests, people or matters that you would like to hear about in this space. You can contact us on our website, radioplasma.com, and through our social media channels. Twitter, Radio Plasma Lab. 
and facebook.com slash radioplasma. So beautiful to see how a dumb idea is now moving literally so many people. Yeah. So this year, Monty's March happening November 25th and 26th. Yes. What's the plan for the people who may be getting to know about this for the first time? Yeah. Especially considering how many new people we have in the Valley and here in Hollywood mm -hmm. that came as a consequence of Hurricane Marie in Puerto yeah. Rico. And certainly many of them have been struggling with hunger. Right. Yeah, we did the march just a couple months after Maria, and we visited a couple of the agencies in Holyoke that were specifically here to help that transition. And that was really moving for me, too. It moved me to the point where I went, and you know, if I was going to invest my vacation money, we went to uh, San Juan. It was amazing. That was great and kind of an offshoot of the march itself. We'll leave um, Mason Square in Springfield at Martin Luther King Family Services, which is one of the emergency food pantries that people can go to for food that the food bank helps to keep their shelves stocked. We'll leave there at 7 in the morning on November 25th, Monday, and we'll begin walking towards, I don't know the exact route, but I know here we are, we're recording this uh, on Ray Street in Holyoke. We should be here around 10-ish. Uh, Gateway City Arts area, Holyoke Colony, uh, Community College Culinary School is getting involved. I think they're going to march in their chef coats to, mm. for a few miles. So, yeah. So we'll be here at 10, and then we'll make our way towards Northampton and be there around about 2 in the afternoon. And then there's a series of events like the brewery party. Um, we're going to have a party at the parlor room in Northampton on the Friday night, Monty's Munch. Keep the alliteration thing going. And then we'll leave at 6 a.m., from Northampton at Congressman McGovern's office uh, on Tuesday the 26th and go towards downtown Amherst where we usually get to about nine in the morning. We'll go visit um, Lucio Perez who's living in Sanctuary in a church in Amherst. This will be the third time that we've gone to visit him. Shockingly, there was a great hope that he was going to actually be able to join us on the march this time, but that seems to have, that hope has gone for this particular march. Yeah. Um, and then we'll make our way up towards Sunderland and Old Deer, South Deerfield. We'll stop at the Berkshire Brewing Company <laughs> for lunch and then make our way to Hawks and Reed in Greenfield, which will be our final destination. And there's a food pantry, a, a community meal that's catering that for all of our community marchers. And they, they benefit from the, uh, the work of the food bank too. So it really, hopefully, get a lot of community people together to celebrate on just a couple days before America's Thanksgiving and, and, and hopefully play upon the better angels of what that holiday should mean for this country. It's become meaningful to me because of this march and the way the community comes together to support uh, our neighbors who don't have enough to eat. This last picture of being able to do all of this just before Thanksgiving yeah. brings a totally new repurpose of the, of the word and the meaning of this, this date and this right. celebration. Which for some people is still problematic today. It's problematic for me, and you know, well, I'm a of Italian immigrant stock, so. <laughs> but, but when when we see the universality of what being thankful mm -hmm. is for, we can definitely all of us connect to something with more sense of a reality, which in this case it will be to gather food, yeah, to provide that moment of solace for people to say thank you. Mm -hmm. I think it's good, and every, almost every culture has some sort of Thanksgiving 
type of celebration throughout their at one point in their calendar. And we can let go of false ideas about what it means to be a community that have been perpetrated throughout the course of the history of this country uh, through a false historical narrative. And we can rewrite the story for now, I think. It's meaningful to me that Neftali, as an indigenous chef, and comes and while we're walking, talks to us about indigenous traditions and those ideas around Thanksgiving and getting those ideas on the radio because it's all connected. I mean, it really is. You know, he's from Mexico and the way that immigrants have been disparaged. I, we also did this march. I don't know how political you want me to get or not. But oh, please. Okay, good. <laughs> By all means. We did this march just weeks after Trump was elected. And I always wear dumb costumes too. And I was like, I have to march as the Statue of Liberty because we're going to lose what shred of goodness this country has managed to make for itself with this presidency if we don't hold on tight and I wanted to hold on tight and there were people that were you know giving us the finger and were not happy that we were being so overtly political but it is political Congressman McGovern says this all the time we could end hunger now but we lack the political will we don't want to do it we don't we want to figure out how to how to kick people off DACA and we want to figure out how to Make sure that people coming to this country don't, they're afraid to go to the emergency food pantries because they're afraid ICE is going to pick them up there. That's what the narrative of our country is saying right now. We want to rewrite that narrative. And even now, even to to put now fear on people who are legally in here, trying right. to make their state definitive, if they look for assistance, right. that is a big no-no now for them. So yeah. it, it, another, another way, even for the ones who feel that they have some sort of security, it's not like that. Right. And these, like I said, these things are all connected. These immigration issues are connected to these. To racism is connected to this. Classism is connected to this. And it's not a panacea that we can raise a million meals for the food bank and solve that. But like I said, part of the mission of this is to tell these stories and Hopefully somebody hears those stories on the radio and says, huh, I never really thought about it like that. Maybe I won't be so harsh next time somebody is uh, uh, needing a little help or taking a little extra time to get their snap card out in the line in front of me at the supermarket or is having a harder time understanding the language as they're doing so. Maybe I'll cut them a little bit of a break. That's the goal, to change some minds and to raise a little money. How can people join, support, learn more about Monty's March and at the same time about the work that the Food Bank of Western Mass is doing. The Food Bank um, has set up a website called montysmarch.com, M-O-N-T-E-S-M-A-R-C-H.com. And uh, it's got our route where we'll be, where we think we'll be when, because we could always encounter some sort of situation on both days. It's got a little background on the history of the event. It's got access to data about food insecurity issues in our area in the four counties of Western Mass. And there's ways that you can either sign up and march with us and start a team. That's a big way that we raise this money. The different individual teams go out and fundraise in amongst their friends and family and community. And then all that goes right to the food bank. You can virtually march. So if you, you, know, you work in an office and you want to get an office pool together and without even having to come out on the pavement, you can start that little site and get your friends to donate that way. Or you can uh, reflect other people like you could put out somebody else who you know is marching and their page and say, hey, my friend is doing this. It's all going to the food bank. Support them that way. 
And then there are just ways to donate straight to the food bank, not through a team. There's a phone number that people can call throughout the course of the whole March, 888-323-4673, which spells hope on your phone if back in the good old days when they had letters on the numbers. <laughs> and then there'll be a, a text to donate thing as well. So I haven't memorized that number yet. I have two weeks to get to that one. <laughs> And also, people can follow the march listening on the air. Yes, if you live north of the Holyoke Range and can get 93.9 the river, uh, we are on 93.9, and uh, from basically from Northampton all the way up to Brattleboro, Vermont, along the 91 corridor, that's where our signal hits. Or you can listen online. I know people listen all over the country, actually, that have had a relationship with this march, but I've moved out for some reason. At WRSI.com, we'll stream the whole thing live, and it's really, it, it's a great joy and gift to be able to use the public airwaves, even though we're a private company and we sell commercial, we're a commercial radio station, that we're given um, the opportunity to use these airwaves for how they were designed to help for the public good, you know, and it feels like it's the least I can do with this powerful tool that I have at my disposal. <laughs> Which is another way to go to the very essence of the most important things in life. And when we think about the way media has evolved, If we take everything back to the simplicity and the magic of that simplicity that mm -hmm. you have on radio, yeah, you can put pictures in everybody's minds that no high-definition right. screen is able to display. Yeah. It's the greatest storytelling medium. And I'm glad that things like podcasts exist too and that it's really, it's reinvigorated. Radio, a lot of radio has lost its way. It's forgotten what it's good at, which is telling those stories and being a community gathering place. And it's good to see things like podcasts coming up because people hunger for that in their soul. They want stories told to them. They want to hear these stories and they want to imagine them in their mind's eye instead of just watching them on a television. So, yeah, it's it's a huge gift. And then just the technology behind it is still it's it's light. We are shooting light mm -hmm. that you can't see out into the community you can only hear it it's not in the visible light spectrum but it travels at the speed of light because it is light and that to me is magical too <laughs> Monty anything else you would like to add I just want to thank you for uh, inviting me onto this show and it's been a joy to get to know you a little bit over the years and, and to, uh, to be here uh, at the home of Radio Plasma <laughs> It's an honor also having you here, Monty, seeing the work that you have been doing, not only with the march, but the different ways that you engage with community everywhere you go and everywhere you put your eyes and your mind on. And you are always causing a good uh, impact and, and doing something good for the communities. And uh, I'm really thankful for, for that. I, I feel honored to be able to, to know you and to interact with you and to work together on, on ideas and projects. And at the same time, share ideas on how can we keep doing fun, dumb stuff mm -hmm. that could be good for, for someone else. Igualmente, mi amigo. <laughs> this is our conversation with Monty Belmonte and the Monty's March happening this November 25th and 26th. And we are going to be joining and covering, but certainly joining this effort because it's that important and that's the, the least we can do. Muchas gracias, Monty. De nada, muchas gracias. With this, we conclude our session that has been recorded at the New England Media Lab Studio inside Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening.